Thank you, Diane. Long passage, I know, but even hearing the word of the Lord just read, just read, is probably the most important thing you've done this week. I believe that. I really do. This is what we do at Bethany Church. We open God's Word together. We like to say in, uh, at Bethany Church, we believe that, that God speaks in His Word. And when we open His Word, God speaks to us through it. Uh, it's living. It's active. It shapes our lives and it molds us as we gather to listen to it. Not only read, but as we explain it together and, and preach it. Well, how do we listen? How do we listen to the Word? It's a pretty simple question with our Ears, of course, right? We listen to the Word of God with our ears. You know, I think God has a sense of humor given that the fact that I think the only two body parts that continue to grow on humans are their nose and their ears. I think He's got a sense of humor. Uh, you know, why couldn't it have been like our biceps or something? Or, you know, our brains or, I don't know, our vocabulary, I don't know, something. But it's our nose and our ears. Today it's about hearing with our ears. It's about using our ears. You probably noticed as we were reading the Scripture, Jesus is doing a lot of talking and asking people to listen. To listen to Him. Uh, He said in verse 3, He who has ears, let him hear. Uh, He says in uh, verse 9 and 23, and then He says, Perceive, hear, understand in verses 12 and 33. He says, Hear the words in verse 20. And then He says in verse 24, Pay attention to what you hear hear what you hear jesus wants us to listen well to the word because it's in listening well to his word and responding that the kingdom seed that we're going to talk about today grows it flourishes it grows in individual hearts and in communities and in nations so this morning we're going to look at four four kingdom parables you saw we have in there that speak of uh, the kingdom of god in its growth in our hearts. Well, I know you've heard of the phrase before, uh, eat it up, right? Eat it up. Whether it's the kids sitting at the table with their veggies, they're good for you. Eat them up. You got to eat them. Today, Jesus makes the case that the Word is our sustenance, so we want to do something. We want to hear it up. Like we tell somebody in our child to eat it up because of the nutrients, we want to hear it up today. We want to take it in through our ears as Jesus asks us to do that. We're going to hear it up. And that, that really poses the question, do you come to church on a Sunday morning or maybe when you open your Bible at home or put it on an app in the car and listen to it read, do you come hungry on a Sunday morning? Do you come hungry to hear the Word? Do you, th- do you think, uh, uh, or as you come thinking, do you come thinking that we are, what we're doing in reading and preaching of the Word is actually the most important, vital, life-giving part of your week. Do you listen every week or any time you hear the Word, even knowing that God, as we listen, expects to a response from us? A response from you. He asks us to respond when we hear. It's the reason question number one on our life group uh, questions uh, says on most weeks, not how did you like Pastor Jeff's sermon, doesn't say that, but it says, how did you come under the authority of God's Word? That's why we ask that question. And these are the questions we're going to talk about and answer as we look at these four parables today. So let's, let's hear it up. Grab your outline, have your Bibles open to Mark 4, 
and let's uh, hear it up. Would you pray with me? Lord, bless your word today. Help us to hear it with ears that are open, connected to hearts that are ready to hear and respond, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, the first parable, the first parable we're going to look at uh, is the parable of the soil, it's been called. And when we look at it, here's what we're going to see. Very first thing, the parable of the soil is going to give us a glimpse of kingdom growth in individual hearts. So kingdom growth, this parable of the soil or the sower it's been called, is going to give us a look at individual uh, kingdom growth uh, in individual hearts, in real people. As you can see, we're going to spend the majority, as we take a look at your outline, we're going to spend the majority of our time actually on this uh, parable of the soil, which doesn't mean it's because the others are less important, but really those following three really drive home the points of this first parable. So Jesus has arrived. Mark has been recording that for us. To sow seed so that now the kingdom will begin to grow. His kingdom will begin to grow. Well, Jesus, again, as you see the setting there, He's teaching by the seaside. And, and, uh, and actually, in Matthew's account, He tells us it's the very same day, remember from last week, that His family tried to arrest Him. Uh, and the scribes told Him that He worked for Satan. If you remember from last Sunday. So this is a really busy day for Jesus, isn't it? This is in the same day now, Matthew tells us, what Mark records here. So He goes to the seaside, verses 1 and 2 there which give us that setting. And the crowd is great. Uh, Most scholars think this is probably Jesus' largest crowd up to this point in His ministry. This is His biggest crowd yet. And so He gets in this boat on the seaside there. And because it's so crowded, He figures, well, what can we do here? I'll stand up in a boat and we'll kind of put it off the shore a bit. And So the people are there in probably somewhat of a semicircle, kind of like this at the shoreline. And there He is teaching them, as we said, possibly His largest crowd yet. And as Jesus, the compassionate Savior, the Maker of the crowd who stood in front of Him, as He looks out over the crowd, He knows them. He knows every single person as He looks at them. He knows their hearts too. As He stares at the crowd He's about to teach, And he understands then that in God's mysterious kingdom work, people are going to respond in a variety of ways. To his word, to his message, to his miracles, to his death, to his resurrection, and then to his disciples someday and to us. People are going to respond in a variety of ways. On a spectrum to outright objection on one end, to true belief and life change on the other, And all kinds of places in in between, too. Jesus knows that. And so He teaches the parable of the four different soils or types of ground that the seed falls on. And He wants us to think of a picture like this. A picture of a man out sowing seed. This is the kind of story He's telling. I found that picture this week and then I went and looked up the uh, painter, Jeremy Sams, and found out he's actually a Christian painter. I just found it searching Google because I was looking for an image and he's got a bunch of images that are Christian themes. It's kind of neat. But this is the kind of story uh, he's telling. A story of a sower sowing seed so that it will sprout and grow. Another term for it is broadcasting seed. It's another term for it. Broadcasting seeds. That's where we get the idea of uh, television or radio broadcasting. 
right? You broadcast it to get it out there, spreading information over the airwaves or internet, however you want to think of it. Broadcasting. That's what he's doing here. So when Jesus tells the parable, and actually he tells it in verses 1 through 9, we're going to see, he explains it in verses 13 through 20. What do these things represent? The different parts of this parable. Let's take just a minute to explain the seed, the sower, and the soil before we look at the hearts. We're going to explain the seed, these three things, and the sower and the soil. Well, in the parable, the seed that's being broadcast or, or, or thrown out uh, represents the Word of God. The words of God. The seed that's being spread uh, who Jesus was and is, broadcast, spread out. The seed is the truth being broadcast, sent out. Because inside each seed, inside each seed as we think about even farming, is contained what is necessary for life, isn't it? For growth. Some of you that have, got, some of you that have a garden at home or like to plant, you know, inside that seed is what's needed to sprout and to, to make life happen. Everything necessary for growth. And so the word too, as it's described as a seed, is, is powerful. And it's used by God to bring spiritual life now. Spiritual life. That's the seed. The sower here is Christ. He's the one standing on the shoreline in a boat and he's doing this very thing. He's casting, he's broadcasting seed all over the people that are standing in front of him. He's sowing the seed that are standing on the shoreline, the crowd who are listening with their ears now. But really, if you think about it, today as we talk about this, we can all be sowers. We're going to talk about this a little more in a minute. But it's not just Jesus, even though here He's primarily the one He's talking about. You and I, we can all be sowers as we speak God's truth, as we share about Him, about Jesus. We're going to talk about that more later. Well, the soils then, we got the, sow, the seed, the sower. Now the soil, the soils are the four types of, uh, or gr- of ground, you might call them. They represent the human heart. The human heart. And the different conditions of the heart and how people respond to God's Word. Here's, here they are real quickly just to see them. We're kinda, what we're going to call them today. Uh, the beaten path was the first one. The rocky path or the rock the, thorn, the thorny path, and then the good soil. So he throws this seed out on the beaten path. And he says, you hear in this first, uh, first one, and the birds quickly come and they eat it up, don't they? They just grab it. They eat it up. He does it again and the second one, he says, and it lands on the rocks. And without the coverage of soil, they have a quick growth and then the scor- they're scorched by the sun. That's the second one, the rocky path. The third time, he says, the thorns grow up. And what do they do? They choke out the life, these thorns. They come and they grow up and they choke it out. And then finally, he broadcasts it on the good soil and it grows. It takes. It flourishes. And it produces lots of fruit. Beautiful fruit. All kinds of fruit. We grow things well here in Oregon, don't we? I'm figuring that out after a year. I mean, we essentially just threw a pumpkin seed last year in our crown and kind of watered it. And we went out and was like, whoa, all of a sudden it was like, we got a massive pumpkin out there. We didn't do anything. We just tossed it out there basically. 
Um, our daughter felt like she accomplished a lot, but <laughs> basically it was a seed we put in the ground and it grew. The good soil. Four different heart responses. The soil represents our heart. Every heart's going to respond in a different way and, and Jesus wants them to hear the truth. You see that in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. But as we got this graphic of the heart popping up in front of us, it's going to help us to understand the soils a bit more if we understand what the heart actually is. What is the heart? If you ask any kid, they'll say, you know, it's the thing that beats inside your chest. You can feel my heart, they would say. Put your hand on my heart. You can feel it. Well, the heart is mentioned in the Bible hundreds of times. I think it's somewhere like eight or 900 times. It's a really important concept if you're a reader of the Bible. When we talk about the heart now, and the Bible does, it really is the seat or the center of a, in a human being of their mind, of their will, of their emotions even. You might call it uh, the causal core of a human. It's what drives us. It's what propels us. The causal core. It guides us. It directs us. It's the part of us that unites our mind, our will, and emotions into one central place in a human being. That's a heart. That's what the heart is. And what Jesus wants for the crowd is to hear and respond in heart, from their heart, because our ears are connected to our heart, is what He's saying. What we hear whether it be the good things of the Word of God or whatever we fill our ears with throughout the week, it is connected. It will impact your heart. That means if you put junk in, I guess, it's going to impact you in that way. The Word of God was going to have a response. It was going to be connected from ears to heart. But as we see, not everyone will respond. Even when the disciples begin to ask Him later in the day when they're alone with Him, they say, you know, what are, what, what are these parables, Jesus? What are you teaching us? What, what are you saying here? Look at verses 11 through 12 with me this morning of chapter 4. And He said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus responds when His disciples ask Him, what do these mean? What are you saying? He responds with another one of His hard sayings they're called. It's on the surface, really difficult. Hard to figure out and understand. Well, I think the parallel account in Matthew will help us unpack this a bit more. Here's what Matthew says. For the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus is saying in this uh, enigmatic, kind of mysterious way that those whose hearts desire to hear will be given more. Those who want to hear, those who accept, those who desire to hear the Word of God will be given more. You'll be given more. Those who love the Word and truth will be given more understanding of the truth and grow in fruitfulness. That's what Jesus is saying. But the opposite then is while those who harden themselves to the truth will only grow harder. A trampled path 
and lose the ability at some point to hear anything else that has to do with God's Word. So here's the lesson for us. When we take a look and we hear God's Word, we want to be those who respond so that we will be given more. There's a, there's a correlation there to what we do when we hear God's Word. The more we respond, the more we understand as a snowball effect. If we just harden ourselves to it, the more it seems to disappear and go away and then one day begin to fall on deaf ears. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you listen to his word that way? Thinking of, how does God want me to respond to this? What is he doing in my heart today through this word? Where is he speaking to us as a church today through this word? That's what Jesus is wanting us to do. Respond to God's truth. The Bible says all over, all over the place, thus says the Lord. And, so, uh, and then He calls His people to respond to that. It's the reason we have begun even to say, this is the Word of the Lord. When the Word of the Lord is proclaimed, it always demands and asks for a response. And so we even start right there with even a verbal one, hoping that it sinks down deeper as we hear into our heart. We must respond to the truth in faithful obedience. Because as we'll see, no response is actually response to, isn't it? When you hear the Gospel message or somebody hears the truth about God, to not respond is to respond, isn't it? To not respond is to respond. But the encouraging thing for us is you can grow as a listener. You can grow as a listener. As a listener of God's Word, as we see, what does Jesus do? They're not listening very well, even His own disciples, right? That what, what does this mean, Jesus? They're always kind of, please explain it to us, Jesus. His followers now even. But what does Jesus do? He graciously takes the time to explain it to them. Because obviously that means we can grow. You can grow as a hearer of God's Word. It's something that, over time even, Jesus graciously explains it to them. And today might be the day even that you respond as good soil. Today. So let's sit at His feet a bit as we look at these four soils quickly. The feet of Jesus Christ to see what He's talking about there. Here's the first one. The heart, number one, is the beaten path. And the hard heart is really what it is. This first soil. The beaten path, the hard heart. This first seed is cast out. It's thrown out on this hard, beaten path that probably was right next to the field is what's being described. Maybe a pathway that the workers walked on between the different fields that would have been just packed down with carts and people and feet. and You know how the dirt gets. And before it even lands back from bouncing one time on the soil because it's so hard, it lands, it bounces. What happens? Satan swoops in as a bird and snatches it up. Before it even gets to land a second time, comes in and snatches it away. What does this look like in our culture? What does this look like maybe if it's you today? It's a busyness. It's a, a frenetic pace of life that just doesn't have time for Jesus, time for contemplating truth that's become hardened by the opportunities to, to, to do stuff, really. By the business of life. That's what this looks like today. In our culture, you might say. 
there's so much to do, so many things, to, so many cares, so many things going on, so many things to uh, opportunities. I just got so much going on. I don't have time for this. And all of a sudden, a heart hardens and hardens and hardens. I think in our day, the busyness and the things we have to do and the things that can distract us might be entertainment. I think it's a huge one for our culture. Entertainment in and of itself is not bad. But it does have a, a, a comprehensive impact. I love, I think Neil Postman said it well in his, his book now is 30 years old. The book was called, his title was great, Amusing Ourselves to Death. <laughs> Anybody heard of that book before? Amusing Ourselves to Death. I love the picture there, the headless family in front of the TV. I think you get the idea. Amusing Ourselves to Death. Uh, he said this quote now, 30, over 30 years ago now. Here's what he said. It's coming up on the screen for us. Americans no longer talk to each other. They entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas. They exchange images. Do not argue with propositions. They argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. Amen to that? We've all said yes. When a population becomes distracted by trivia... When cultural life is redefined as a perpetual round of entertainment, then a nation finds itself at risk. Culture death is a clear possibility. He said that over 30-some years ago. A bit prophetic, uh, prophetic, I think. Couldn't this be how Satan is snatching seeds today? Uh, hardening hearts that we, we're just so distracted by so many different options of entertainment that yeah, I just don't have time for this and it bounces off the hard soil and he swoops in. So here's a question for us. What will it take to soften your heart if it's hard? What will it take to soften my heart? Even as a Christian, we know that. We, we find ourselves responding in a bit harder, a bit harsher. But why am I responding like this? And it's kind of compounding, building up day after day. I'm, I'm hardening a little bit. I can sense it. I can feel it. You've been there. You know it. Right? What will it take? A lot of times... It's a trial. Usually, it's a trial. Our neighbor came over a few weeks unannounced. I'm glad he did because he came over and tilled our garden area for us. He had mentioned he might do it, and I'd never really, I, I don't know, we just moved in. I felt bad. Like, I don't want to go over and ask him, hey, will you come till our garden? But he just did it. He came over unannounced and surprised us and uh, came out of nowhere and, and tilled the garden. Uh, surprised us. To a hard heart, it was like our hard ground that needed to be tilled. God sometimes shows up like that unannounced to till it. To cause something to happen, to soften with His plowing. And a lot of times, it's a trial. Many times it's a trial. And the question is, then how will you and I respond when that does happen? As much as it may hurt, as, as much as we might not desire to go through that, Will we see it as a mercy, actually, that's being used by God to soften us, even if it's not something we are finding pleasure in? You don't have to do that. God doesn't ask us to be that way. But will we see it as a mercy and even maybe not know why, but know, God, you must be up to something with me? Or will you and I double down in our hardness in that moment? That's the temptation for me. Frustrations of life to double down in my hardness. Rather than go, okay, Lord, what's going on? Show me, teach me, soften me, plow me, make me yours. 
I want to double down. No, I don't need this. What? No, I don't need to hear this today. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's the first heart, that hard soil. The second one then is this. The rocky path and the shallow heart. The rocky path and the shallow heart. So as we go through each one of these, I think it would be healthy for us to, if you feel like you identify, like we just went with the, the, hard, the hardened heart, to take assessment. What could be in my life causing my heart to harden? What am I filling my ears with that's causing me to reject God's Word rather than to hear it and own it? Second one is the rocky path. It's the shallow heart. The seeds are thrown basically on, on rocks. On rocks there. And they receive it. They receive it with joy. Wow! Look! They're, they're, they're joyful at hearing the message of the Gospel. They believe, you might even say, look at their joy. They've had some sort of emotional experience, Jesus says. Uh, but look at verse 17 then He says. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they fall away. You know, we moved to Oregon a year ago, last spring. It was a really cruel trick to go out and pull weeds and go back like the next day. <laughs> Literally. And they're back. I was, where are we? <laughs> One, not the next day, but a couple days it felt like. And they're back. And you know, some of those weeds you're working in the garden, they're really tough to pull up, aren't they? You're out there and you're like pulling and you finally get it. And what do you do? You go back on your rear and like, boom, you're back. It just lets and gives. Some of them are really tough, but when you come across one of those easy ones, isn't it great? You're like, oh, this one looks really bad. And you go and you're like, Ugh. it just takes a little pull almost. Roots and all, they're right up out of the ground. Those are the kind of weeds we like, right? To pull, <laughs> rather than ones that make us fall flat on our back. But that's the kind of weed or growth that Jesus is talking about here with the rock. That's what's pictured here. Someone who hears the Gospel, who hears the Word of God, the seed is scattered, and they receive it immediately with joy. It looks like something's growing up and flourishing. But then a trial comes, which Jesus describes as the sun scorching, beating down, and what happens? They wither away instantly. It's like the little, just like a little pool. They're gone. They're gone. What felt so good, this newfound Jesus, it brought joy and excitement. Turned out to be a bummer when life got hard. <laughs> Turned out to be a disappointment when life got hard. There's part of us inside each and every one of our hearts that loves, I would even say, I was going to say likes, but I would say loves even, to blame our responses to trouble in life on the scorching sun, on the circumstances of life. The circumstances. When actually what Jesus is saying here, the response is coming from the listener's heart. It's not the scorching sun. It's not the circumstances. It's the, the, the soil. It's the heart, Jesus is saying. But you and I, I know I love to do this. I love to take and go, well, it's this, it's that. No, it's him, it's her. No, it's the circumstances, it's this and that. And Jesus goes, you can't do that. Your heart is your causal core. The way you respond and I respond, you're responsible for that. I am responsible for that. 
Circumstances happen, don't they? Every one of us would say we have been under the scorching sun at some time, wouldn't you? And you feel like you are withering. Maybe it's even today. I'm under the scorching sun right now. How you respond from the heart, that's what you and I are responsible for. We think we can control the circumstances of life. We try really hard with all different kinds of means and apps and to-do lists and diets and this and that. We try really hard, but we can't. We're responsible for how we respond. And that's why this true, this, a true conversion, which doesn't happen here, is, has to be deeper than an emotional response. If you're going to try to coast on your emotions in the Christian life, it will not work. Right? Because emotions go up and down, don't they? You can't trust them. They're falling too. They come and they go. They wax and they wane. Sometimes we feel like we're in the cool shade and sometimes the scorching sun comes. We can't trust necessarily our emotions. They're God-given and they're good, but we can't ultimately trust them. That's why a true conversion is deeper than emotional experience. Emotional experience alone is not conversion. We have to know that. A conversion is not less than emotional experience, but more. Remember, the heart involves, remember that picture, the heart involves also the intellect and the will, a desire, an action. It involves emotions too, but it's more than that. And when the heart is rooted deeply in Jesus Christ, when He is our seed, our truth, how can we respond? How can you and I respond? We don't have to wither. You don't have to wither. This is how we want to respond. Not shrivel up and wither when life gets hard, but like this. I love this passage from Jeremiah. It's so practical in New Testament, even though it's an Old Testament passage. So practical today. He says, here's how we respond. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. There's the scorching sun. For its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. When life gets hard, when the scorching sun comes, here's what you do. You sink your roots down deeper into what you know to be true. You sink your roots down into the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. Christ loves you. He died for you. He was buried for you. He rose for you. He suffered the extreme, absolute most scorching heat that's ever been so that you and I can sink our roots into Him. That's what we do. That's what Jeremiah is saying way before the Gospel was ever even truly known. Is that's what we do. Use Him. Use Jesus. Use what He went through when He was scorched for you and be like that tree that sinks its roots into Him deeper. Many don't, and their response is to what then? Wither. They get plucked up right away. And they deny that first found joy that they so quickly expressed, that emotional experience. Here's the third heart. First one was the hard ground. The second was the, the rocky. The third is the thorny path and the distracted heart, we're going to call it. 
this seed is, is, is sown and, and thorns come up instantly. They come up around it. Look at verse 19 of chapter 4. It says, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke the Word and it proves unfruitful. When it talks about the thorns here, it's really saying um, the distraction of this age is literally how that's um, translated. The distraction of this age comes up and chokes it. It's the stuff of life. The, the, the material stuff or the, uh, the idolatry of things or money or hobbies, you name it. It's just, and a lot of stuff, it's good stuff actually, um, but it becomes God's stuff. And therefore, it chokes out our need for God. Besides, you know how many things I've got to occupy my mind and, and time? I've just got things and hobbies and, and stuff to do and material things. That's really what Jesus is getting here. The distra- just the everyday distractions of life that in and of themselves are good things, but can choke out the ultimate thing, God. Did you know there's an epidemic of mostly men, distracted men, playing video games? Did you know that? Uh, it's called VGA, video game addiction. Pretty simple. Uh, it's, it's taking place actually pretty widespread in our culture. The American Psychological Association is studying it. The World Health Organization is studying it. They almost put it in the what is it, DSM manual. They almost put it in there this last time. But they're, they're studying it because there's been multiple men who have foregone sleep and nutrition and who have died in front of a screen playing video games across the world. Across the world this has happened. Uh, men, and mostly young men in their 20s, even 30s, have died because they've stayed up on a bender for like five days straight with monster drinks playing video games. I mean, it's, it's pretty shocking. A really clear, simple uh, uh, observation of the distraction of this age. The distraction of this age. So what's yours? What is yours? What keeps you from conversing with God? What keeps you from sitting under His truth? What keeps you from cracking His Word? For most of us, it is this thing right here, isn't it? It is not me. I heard you. Okay, maybe you don't even own one. That's good. Good for you. They're useful. They're handy. They're great tools. But we've got more computer power in our hands, I think, than they had on the first Apollo, which is incredible. Um, but for most of us, it, is, it can be a distraction. We all know it. Um, I, I was somewhere even um, yesterday, I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to think where I even was, uh, with a crowd just yesterday, and the, the majority of the people um, weren't talking anymore. Heads are down, and I think we're going to have chiro- chiropractic bills, you know, people are from being hushed over. But for most of us, it's that. But it could, for you, it could be something else. What is it? What's the distraction of this age for you? We all have one. So even if it's not a phone, it's something else for you. And it might even be a really good thing. What keeps you from spending time with the Lord? Well, there's a fourth type of of heart. Here it is. The good soil. So we have the beaten path. We have the hard rocks. We have the thorns coming up. The final one is the good soil and the receptive heart. Look at verse 20 with me. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. That's really meant to be heard as a lot of fruit. I think 10-fold was a lot of their time. These are the people that hear the word of God and respond by accepting it and they bear fruit in life. Good fruit in life. You might say even the fruit of the Spirit. These things begin to grow in them. Trials come. Distractions come. 
persecution comes, and they hold fast. They hold on. Their roots are deep. Worries, wealth, cravings, desires come. And they're active in their hearing. They dig deeper into Christ. That's who's being described here. Deeper into the Gospel. Deeper into the very object of their faith, which is Jesus. That's how we hold on. That's how we respond with flourishing rather than withering. We hold on to Jesus Christ. That's how you can even grow in the midst of the scorching sun. We can actually flourish in the trial when we sink our roots in Christ and produce fruit. And when we respond that way, do you know what we're actually becoming? Seed scatterers. We're becoming seed scatterers when we respond to the trials of life in ways that other people don't. How are you able to handle this like that? How are you not falling apart? Why, is you, why, why are you not just saying, I'm done with all of this? Well, you're right, it is hard. I am struggling. But can I tell you about what actually is giving me hope and how I'm able to respond? It's my relationship with Christ. And you scatter seed. And you become a seed scatterer. Well, the following parables drive this point home for us. Parables 2, 3, and 4, and we're going to hit these real quick, but they're really to drive home these points for us. So let's take a look at them real quick. This second parable says this, let the true light shine. We got that coming up. Let the true light shine, he will give more light. Sorry, I got a typo in there. Let the true light shine and he will give more light. Jesus tells a parable of the light. And as he tells this parable, he's actually the true light. He is the light. And his message about him and what he has done, he's the true light we don't want to hide. It's the parable, put it under a basket. No, you want to let it out and let it shine. Do you ever notice how hard it is sometimes and in some places and in front of some people to say the name of Jesus out loud? Have you ever noticed that? You may be able to talk about God and your relationship with God, but, but there's something about just saying the name of Jesus that can all of a sudden change a conversation. Oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. Well, we're talking about Jesus now? Oh, Jesus? I mean, it's like that. The world wants to hide Jesus. Under a basket, Jesus says, the light. Any way they can. Any way they can. We just got to keep this Jesus guy off the scene. We've already seen it, haven't we? With the scribes and the Pharisees. We've got to, we've got to snuff this light out. Whatever we can do to hide this. And Jesus says, are you really listening? Are, are, are you really listening now? Verse 24 and 25. Pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use will be measured to you. For to the one who has more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus is saying, respond with acceptance to the truth and you'll receive more truth. With the measure you use, more will be added. Respond to the trials of life by shining Jesus, by broadcasting Jesus. You'll grow deeper into Jesus. That's what he's saying. I want to think of our lives now. I want us to think of our lives a little picture, mental picture. Think of your life as, um, think of a picture of a couple oxen pulling a cart. 
and they're pulling this cart, and uh, your, cart, your, li- your life is like the cart there. And inside that cart, um, in the back, it's full of, of something. What is it for you? I don't know. It's full of something. You fill your life up with all kinds of things. We all do. Whether it's collecting things or ideas or this or that or finances. or money. We, we, fill our, we fill our cart with all kinds of things, don't we? You name it. Go look at my garage. We've got stuff, right? <laughs> we fill our life with things. But you can only tell what's in your cart, really, when it begins to kind of go over some bumps in life, right? And things begin to spill out of the cart. Life is really bumpy, isn't it? It's scorching sun. It's bumps all the time. The bumps in, road are, uh, in the road are the suffering of life. So what spills out of you when it happens? Is it grumbles? Is it complaints? Is it blame shifting? Is it rage? could be any of those things. Let you and I be a people so taken with Jesus Christ that when our cart bumps and it goes over a bump in life, we scatter Jesus. We scatter good seed everywhere. Let us be so filled in our cart with Him that when those bumps do come, He's what spills out. He's what people see. Shine the light is what Jesus is saying. That's our job. Uh, As the third parable shows us, we scatter seed, but God gives the growth. We scatter seed, God gives the growth. Jesus gives us in that third parable a really clear picture. We're responsible to sow seed. That's what you and I are responsible for. We're responsible to broadcast Jesus. And from there on out, it's the power of the Word and the sovereign work of God that changes hearts. That's what he's saying here. That's what, that's what Jesus is telling us. Look at 26 to 29 real quick. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and he goes to bed, scatters it and goes to sleep and rises night and day. Uh, he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. He has no idea. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, the full grain. But the grain is ripe at once. He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Respond, you and I, with acceptance of the truth, and you'll receive more truth, Jesus says. When we scatter it on the ground, then, when we get the bumps of life, the farm scatters his seed, he goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. He doesn't have to sit out there and go, grow, 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 right? He doesn't have to do that. He just goes to bed. Paul said it really clear in 1 Corinthians. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything really, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Here's two things that means for us then in life. As we share the gospel, as we scatter seed. One, we can share Jesus freely and joyfully because you and I, we can't change anyone's heart on our own. I can't do that. And if I think I want to bear that burden and that pressure, I don't think you want to bear that. The weight of that. We can't change anyone's heart. That doesn't depend on you, Paul's saying. Only God does that. That's the first thing. The second thing it means is this. You and I can share Jesus hopefully. Because it means if God is actually the one that is changing hearts, there's nobody who's beyond his redemptive grasp. 
Nobody. If he's the one who's changing hearts, there is nobody beyond his grace if he's the one who causes growth. If it was up to me to change someone's heart, how much hope would that actually be in evangelism? I mean, not a lot. Most of the times I bumble and fumble through a gospel presentation. If it were up to me, that would not be very hopeful. But you and I can go into every situation seed scattering with hope because the Word and the work of God will do the work. The Word and God will do the work. It's the fourth parable. It leads us there. Jesus is taking us there on this journey that the Word and God will do the work. It's the fourth parable. The mustard seed. From a small seed comes an eternal kingdom. Did you catch the common theme? It's all this seed and growth language today. Let's go to that fourth one. From a small seed comes an eternal kingdom. Remember the kingdom. It started with how many men? Anyone? Yeah, 12. Well, one, Jesus. But then it went to, yes, really quickly, to 12. It started with him. And it went to 12. Do you know one of the greatest arguments for the truth of Christianity is the way it started so humbly and unassuming and has exploded onto the scene? I think about that. It started with one, a mustard seed. And it went to this tiny band of 12 men, a mustard seed, which is the tiniest. Jesus comes, he's born in a manger, this king, a mustard seed. The crowds who love Jesus turn out to be rocky soil and choked thorns and they reject him. A mustard seed. Jesus' movement seems to fizzle and die as he's crucified. Mustard seed. Three days later, he rises. He rises. And the mustard seed begins to grow. This tiny little seed begins to grow. And a few chapters into Acts, we have thousands. And through history, billions of hearts who've responded as good soil. And here's the reason why the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Cannot be stopped. It's a little seed that's going to turn into a giant, healthy, full-bloomed tree. And someday that fullness will be realized. The seed will be a giant, towering tree. And here's what it'll look like. After this, Revelation says, you see it popping up there, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the big kingdom. So he who has ears this morning He who has ears, hear. Let him hear, Jesus said. Let's pray. Christ, we thank you for your word that is sometimes does take an explanation and unpacking as we think about this seed that's been scattered, Lord. I pray, God, that it would continue to flourish and grow in our hearts. May we respond as good soil. People who respond in digging roots deeper in the trials of life. People who respond with scattering more good soil or good seed of Jesus Christ. Lord, build up Bethany Church with a bunch of hearts that are good soil. We ask you to do this work because even your parables today tell us that you are the one who does the work. Lord, encourage someone today. 
Transform a hard heart to a soft heart. Continue your work here at Bethany Church, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.